0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking stock talk. Talking stocks. Talking investing. A little bit of a bullet shot into world of individual equities, maybe a little bit of indexing for sure, but not a lot of business news. More big picture, Jack Bogle is someone that I admire, and you have to have a list of people in the world of finance and investing that you admire. One of them for me is Jack Bogle, Warren Buffett, uh, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Mark Benioff, Um. You can, you know, create a list, you know, locally, uh, Hennessy from the Hennessy Funds, Um, O'Shaughnessy, anything that he's written, I've liked as far as, you know, baseball cards, those would be the people who I would collect. If you were to expand and go into like crazier things, maybe there's some institutions that you like, like Barron's or the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. I don't really look to the L.A. Times, the San Francisco Chronicle as investment idea generators, I look at them as yesterday's business headlines. There is, on occasion, a nice piece about real estate in situations like along those lines that are you know more locally flavored, which I prefer when it comes to talking real estate. But it's funny journalism differs like golden clay. At one point in time, it was a pretty prestigious career. Now. If you're young and you can crank out articles that get eyeballs, that's kind of important. So anyway, back to Jack Bogle. He's the legendary founder of Vanguard. Time and experience have demonstrated that for most investors, low-cost indexing is the most efficient way to invest. That has always been his argument that he's championed, that time and experience for most investors, keeping the cost low is the best efficient way to invest. Over the past five years, indexers have outperformed the vast majority of active managers. So you can open up your newspaper and take a look at the top mutual funds. Newspaper, mutual funds, I know. Almost feels dated, right? Uh, Going to a newspaper to check your mutual funds uh, is kind of funny, but it's still applicable on some levels. So over the past few years, indexers have outperformed the vast majority of active managers, causing even more investors to realize the now obvious answer to the question of how should they invest their money. And the answer for most people is indexing. The question is, can that go on forever? You know, what happens if you're in a, a market that goes sideways? Well, the market's made up of winners and losers, and if it goes sideways, you could certainly underperform by picking individual stocks, or you could outperform by picking individual stocks. Um... So it's highly doubtful that indexing will always win. Well, indexation, I think that's a word, it's efficient, it's effective, it's low cost. Um, there's never really been a good idea on Wall Street that hasn't taken you know, to a foolish extreme. So there will be things that wildly outperform it and things that wildly underperform it. For instance, mortgage-backed securities it turned out to be a very bad idea where you could buy a stock, an index of stocks, of mortgages. And the banks were packaging mortgages saying, they're all great mortgages, or they're all very good mortgages, they're all good mortgages, even though some of these packages had some below-average mortgages. They just kind of lumped them together and said, it'll probably work out. Then Wall Street did a dumb thing by coming up with triple-levered exchange-traded funds, So the pro shares, where you get three times the performance of the NASDAQ, or three times the performance of the bank index, or three times the the performance of the retail market. And when you do that, you're starting to use options, and options aren't indexing. You're not buying it over time, and you're not buying cheap. And that's where you got into a problem with triple levered exchange-traded funds. Or you could use smart beta, which was another bad idea. Uh, So Wall Street will take the index phenomenon and try to bastardize some products into it, sometimes incorrectly. So you're looking for the more generic flavors of like the S&P 500, you know, the Russell 2000, the Wilshire 5000, where you don't have to have a super smart, actively managed uh, portfolio manager. So let's all play our our cards carefully and we'll make some money. And that's the idea when you do a, a poker game and you have friends come over. And you almost have to tell your friends, like, don't be stupid. Because, then, you know, if you go all in on every hand and you lose, you're going to be bitter. This is to have fun. So just as only 10% of investors can be in the top decile, so inevitably the continuing rise in passive investment will create winners and losers. Greed and fear will come in. So a major determinant of investment performance over time is Cost. It's the one thing you can control. If you're starting at age 30, you're 10 years behind. If you're starting at age 20, you're perfect. Um, now, if you start at age 40, you're probably going to do it till the day you die. So you can control costs, though, at age 20, 30, 40, 50. So passive investing has always been a, a, a benefit to a lot of investors. It's widely understood that index investing should reduce three major costs. Management fees, because it's just an index, um, that very rarely changes so the management fees that you have to pay someone to be super smart uh, Goes way down to basis points The cost is the cost of managing the individual companies that make up the portfolios ie research um, And then the taxes and uh, also with the individual companies the buying and selling so compensation of corporate managers is another cost Substantial, but less publicized. It's borne by shareholders. Institutional investors have been reluctant to speak about some of the excessive, excessive uh, executive pay for fear of losing access to the management of those companies whose stocks they own. So that's worthy of note that you know the compensation of corporate managers. So if you've ever been to like an Oppenheimer um, or T. Rowe Price, their headquarters are gorgeous. They're unbelievable. It's like they've got mar- marble statues made out of real marble. <laughs> and you're like, why do people own statues? And then there's, oh, and you're like, I think this is by some guy named Rodan." So big index investors, you don't have to do that. They're increasingly finding themselves in a position to affect corporate governance by demanding a connection between pay and performance. It would seem obvious to a lot of people that money managers have a fiduciary duty to maximize long-term value of the shares held by their clients. They certainly have a duty to prevent corporate managements from ripping off their clients. So, and taxes are are something we need to talk about. You know, buying and holding is an easy concept to understand because when you do a trade, you know, your tax hit 20, 25%, boom, pretty fast. And then, you know, if you were only up 20, 25%, 30%, 40%, 50%, whatever, you know, you're, at the end of the year, you're pulling together all your taxes. Buying a whole is an easy concept to practice and understand, but it's really hard to put it into practice. Um, a very successful, active value investor um, has to say things like, you know, do not show me how hard you're working by running through a bunch of trades because I don't want to see it. I don't want to see the fact that you have one super home run like an Amazon, but you've got six that have gone sideways and three that have been destroyed. So, the big loser of index funds are the high-cost, poor-performing portfolio managers. The days of 2% management fees and 20% annual profits are out the window. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Talking stock. Stock talk, if you were. You can find me at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz and don't forget the weeknight replay at 7 There's always teachable moments in life There's one that is a heartbreaking one going on right now where it's a YouTube video where a kid cries because he's getting bullied at schools. Teachable moment for parents to talk to their kids. Teach them to stay strong. Sure, no doubt about it. But I'm not here to give you advice on parenting. I want to do that. Um, maybe I'd do it a bit, but I'll try not to. Where the internet is getting this one right are Celebrities it's Katy Perry, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, inviting him to concerts, inviting him to uh, movie premieres. That's where the internet can communicate terribly, terribly well. And I commend the celebrities stepping up to do that. Teachable moment. As parents, you should talk to your kids about bullying. We've all been bullied at some point. Teachable moment this year. Women accusers coming out and uh, calling out men who acted inappropriately. Um, teachable moment for sure. Um, dads, teach your kids, teach your boys to respect people. Teachable moments everywhere. Wildfires pick it up. New evacuations ordered as strong winds drive California fires further. More than 9,000 firefighters are battling some 200,000 acres of blaze, bigger than New York City. One fire, the Thomas Fire, is bigger than New York City. Oh, Ventura! We're like, ah, oh, we don't care. It's it's strip malls. It's it's okay. It's near the beach. It's okay. But when it hits Santa Barbara and Montecito, Oprah lives in Montecito. Ellen lives in Montecito. Other celebrities, Alec Baldwin, Billy Baldwin, have homes in Montecito. I've seen celebrities in Montecito. Um, I looked at homes in Montecito. Wow. Rob looked at homes in Montecito. Ultimately, I decided it's too gated, and it's too no one knows their neighbors. That's not what I want. Um, I saw the TV show Cheers, and I wanted friends. I wanted people to know my name. So Southern California's largest wildfire reminds me that, hey, you can buy a house that can burn down. Sometime soon, scan your freaking fracking photos and get them on digital file online in the cloud somewhere. Those are gonna be important to you when your house burns down. The desk, the TVs, the silverware, no one's gonna care about. It's gonna be the photos. Uh, If you had to grab things, what would you grab? Get that folder put together, birth certificates, passports, get a fireproof safe, and hopefully you can grab that safe on your way out. Scan those documents, get them in the cloud somewhere. I know it's not cybersecurity smart, but neither is it just leaving them laying around your house. There's teachable moments everywhere. Today, a suicide bomber in custody after setting off explosive device at Port Authority Transit Terminal. At any point in time, your life can be taken. I went to the gym last week after a radio show, and I looked to my right and I saw a guy napping. Got on a phone call, I walked around, came back, he was still napping. I looked to see if he was breathing, he was dead. Don't know what he did? He looked like he was about 60. 60. For 11 don't know what he did. And uh, I was like, whoa, teachable moment for me? At any point in time, you can die, whether it's terrorist or your heart blows up. You may have been born with a condition that's going to take you later today. Go get some term life insurance. Before you get any medical records pulled, stop drinking for a month or two. Stop smoking for a month or two. Get clean, then get your medical test done, and then get some term life insurance. Oh, teachable moments everywhere, right? Bitcoin shorts face massive losses if the Winklevoss call hits the mark. The Winklevoss twins, where do I remember them from? Where do I remember that creepy name from? They were in the movie Facebook. Uh, was it called Facebook? I think, I don't know. Social network, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably couldn't legally call it Facebook, right? Because that's the world we live in. But Cameron Winklevoss half of the twins made up by the famous pair that were early founders of Facebook. Um, But they kind of got pushed out, according to the movie. Uh, They think that gold disruptor is Bitcoin, that it's a hedge against the stock market. And he thinks it could be a $6 trillion business as far as market value goes. He bases that ultimately on the value for gold. If Bitcoin replaces gold... You're talking about Bitcoin going to three hundred thousand dollars. Somewhere around sixteen, seventeen thousand. That's pretty extreme. There's no doubt about it. Pretty darn extreme. But I'll tell you what, in my generation, I looked at gold as stupid. I looked at it as dumb. It fell for 20 straight years. I was like, who owns gold? And then it got into a bit of a problem. Or it got into a bit of a woo. So to me, it's an alternative bet on the dollar. It's an alternative. Gold is an alternative bet on the dollar. It's an alternative bet on the stock market, on capitalism. So I never got it. I never figured it out. Because the stock market's done nothing but go up for 20 years, essentially. There was a couple-year periods twice, but essentially it goes up 7 out of 10 years. So we get kind of used to it going up. This is a teachable moment. I don't own any Bitcoin. I see a reason to own it. If you think you have to have reasons to buy things. I see a reason on Facebook. A lot of people get on Facebook every day. They've got a CEO who wants to change the world. They make a lot of money. A lot of eyes are shifted from TV to the internet. Those are reasons. Here's the first reason to own Bitcoin. Gold's stupid. Now, when push comes to shove, when the stock market crashes and the economy crashes, a Bitcoin's not going to get you much in the world. A shotgun, well, but not Bitcoin. Teachable moment. We found one reason to own Bitcoin. A lot like gold, it's not going to do much in a worst-case scenario, but it can run higher. And if that worst-case scenario fixes itself, let's say there's like a nuclear strike or something. You know, an ISIS bomber blows up and hurts three people in New York today. What if that was a nuclear bomb? Bitcoin could go higher. Do I own any? No. Verizon reportedly pays $1.5 billion to stream NFL games on smartphones using any carrier. Ooh. Ooh. At some point in time, I think the NFL hits a peak. I don't think they've hit a peak yet. I don't know how to invest in the NFL. So you invest in partnerships with the NFL. Verizon's basically saying, we believe there's enough eyeballs that we're going to throw a billion dollars at something. I, I think you can invest in a Verizon. I think you can invest in a, a, a delivery system like that. Uh, or maybe the equipment to, for that delivery system. Do you remember when you first watched the Internet on like a real player or real networks? And it was choppy, and it would have to load. And then you get like three seconds, and it would load, and it would buffer. Equipment players are are the the winners there. All teachable moments, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at roblackshoe.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about? Hmm... I don't really want to talk about net neutrality, but I think I should talk about net neutrality at some point in time. There's so much to think about right now. The fingerling thing that's going on. Fingerlings are the hot big toy. I never understand the hot big toys, whether it's Tickle Me elbow or Fingerlings or Cabbage Hatch Dolls. I never understand them. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing, and more. a lot going on in the markets right now. Uh, end of the year, we're kind of assuming what goes through in taxes. We're not sure yet. It's not getting written yet. Um, it's not being agreed to yet. But California, New York, Connecticut, Illinois, big losers. High tax states, big losers. Because you won't be able to have that ability to write off your taxes. Um, your state and local income tax. And that that hurts. Um. Not so much for California, because California's got this artificial thing going on of just crazy demand, crazy demand. But that would change if you're making $200,000, $300,000, $400,000 in California, and you can't deduct that income tax off your federal taxes, you may go, let me think about this for a second. You mean I can live in another state and make twenty dollars to $40,000 more? That may mean a lot of money to you especially in the years that you're starting to cruise towards retirement. Let's talk about cruising on the train, not the Bitcoin train, but let's talk about cruising on retirement issues with CFP, Chad Burton. Welcome in CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, costs in retirement, a lot of people just aren't prepared to think about retirement, what it means to them, what it looks like, but then they the cost associated with it, Let's talk about health care cost after the age of sixty-five when you're retired.
1: Oh. Well, it's not free. So people think that they turn sixty five and they get on Medicare for free and they've got their majority of their health care covered. You get Medicare Part A for free, which is more of the hospital type plan. You got B, which has super high deductibles, so people have to get a supplemental plan. So Medicare Part B is about 105 bucks a month. It went up you know 2014 didn't go up a lot with inflation, but previous years went up five. And, and then before that, 2010, 11, and 12, it was almost double-digit inflation on the, that number. Um, you also pay a lot more. You could pay up to three times the amount of Medicare Part B as your neighbor if you make a lot of money. It's a, There's kind of a success tax tied to it. And then your average cost of a Medigap policy throughout your lifetime averages about 210 bucks a month from our studies and then between either Part D or prescription drugs, co-pays, dental costs, and things like that, averages about 240 a month in retirement. And uh, if you're middle class, in other words, you're retiring with just enough in your portfolio to get through to age 100, you should probably look at long-term care, which could be at 60 65 another 300 bucks a month. So you're looking at 600 to $850 a month in retirement health care costs that your employer is likely paying a good portion of right now. What's interesting to note about
0: some of that is that um, I don't think people like insurance. And you're talking about getting insurance. And then when you have insurance, it doesn't cover as much as you want it to. Right. In particular, like the dentist. Um, Medicare, Medi- Medicare insurance in retirement not much. Um, keep in mind, when you're in retirement, you tend to do what? Like lose teeth. So you're talking about not getting a filling for 300 bucks you're talking about losing a tooth that you know three four five six thousand dollars to get replaced yeah. unless you want to be toothless
1: and most of the time private dental insurance isn't worth the cost that, you know right. for people our age um so unless your employer has it it's it's almost like save the money create a sink fund for your dental costs and your co-pays or fund an hsa account if you're eligible and use that but yeah those types of costs they, they add up and it really it's very low maybe if you're healthy at 65 but by the time you get to eighty eighty five, 85 that's when those costs really start kicking in
0: i sleep with a mouth guard even though i don't have to because i talked to my dentist he says you're really not a grinder so it's not that big of an issue but the better care you take of your teeth the longer they're going to last so i actually put plastic in my mouth every night just so that i don't have to lose a tooth at age 85 good to know i know right prevention of maintenance let's talk a little bit about prevention of maintenance you talked about hsas um
1: do you continue to fund them in retirement do you think no you don't fund them after 65 okay but so the the idea with an hsa i call a super healthcare roth ira because you can put money in pre-tax and take it out tax free so you get a double benefit unlike a roth ira where you put in tax after tax money and grows tax free for retirement Uh, hsa if you're company offers it, or if you're trying to get it on your own, you get a high-deductible plan, you can put a certain amount in HSA, write it off on your tax, and then when you have healthcare costs, deductibles, co-pays, you can take the money out. If you have a bunch of money that's left over in there, it can be invested, and at 65 you can take it out to pay for Medicare Part B, long-term care insurance, and all those other costs. So, it's great for retirement.
0: Good to know. Good to know. Um, so, cost of Medicare is going to go up, Right.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I expect Medicare Part B to to continue to rise on average over your lifetime 5 to 6%. Okay, 5 to 6%. Inflation. That's, okay, that's higher than, well, that's medical inflation yeah. versus inflation, Anything inflation. medical, when we're doing financial plans, average costs, normal lift lifestyle expenses, 3 to
0: 3.5%. How about for a portion of our audience who's just dirt broke in retirement, what does their health care look like?
1: Well, the, the problem is that a lot of times they can't afford the supplemental cost, okay. supplemental insurance. So they go either without or they go broke paying for it. Okay. Um, when, once you go broke to a certain level, you know, you get on Medicaid or Medi-Cal in California for doesn't, certain items. So. Doesn't it
0: seem like the whole supplemental
1: thing got slipped in on us?
0: Like, you and I, when we were kids, we knew Medicare was free. And then suddenly it wasn't. Like, maybe it was just the fact that we just didn't know yeah i mean it's or maybe it was, it was super cheap for my mom and dad or my grandparents
1: right no i mean it you know it's it's always been trying to find for instance those supplemental plans in the last 20 years if anything they've always you've always needed one really in retirement to have full coverage okay um and then there's always been that donut hole for people that are a certain age that have prescription drug issues it's more complicated now i mean Ask anybody that turns sixty five or they're turning sixty five, and there's a window to sign up. You know, okay. you get penalized if you don't sign up by a certain age. The process that people have to go to to find the right supplemental plan for age sixty five is horrendous. It's it's stressful. It's not fun. Yeah.
0: Anyway, with that being said, um, I'm pretty sure that Great Grandpa Black paid twenty nine cents a month for Medicare Part B, and he was angry about it. <laughs> Just throwing it out there for you. I'm pretty sure costs were that cheap 80 years ago. Anyhow and anyway, you can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, in more. Job openings cooled in the month of October after they rose to a record high in September. I'd call that a winner. Um, they hit an all-time high in October, so I'm good with that. It's consistent with a solid job market. You're not always going to have your data points hitting highs as long as you move in the right direction. I don't want your stock portfolio to be at a high every month. Every one to two, three years, I want it to be at a high. Um, that's important to me. Industries, including manufacturing, retail, trade, business services, showed fewer openings than in September, while job availability and construction, real estate, and leisure and hospitality all increased. That makes sense to me employers say they're facing a shortage of qualified americans as the u.s approaches full employment good time for you to put your resume together if you don't like your job i'm not going to tell you play that song take this job and shove it we don't work here no more uh don't want to work here who was that uh boy that's out of my mind right johnny paycheck holy mackerel let's play trivia there's a new app out there right now that's kind of um, getting crazy response. It's called HQ Live, HQ Live. And basically, you can win cash prizes by playing trivia. Now, here's the kicker on it. You're playing against everyone in the country. So, you know, in game shows, it's like you against a big fat insurance salesperson and a, a stay-at-home mom who happens to arrange flowers during the day. And then she goes, oh, Chuck. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Game shows, you're like pitted against two people. This one, you're competing comp- Hit it against four hundred thousand people. It, it goes off twice a day, and it tells you it's going to be noon Pacific time and six o'clock Pacific time. And then sometimes after your six o'clock game's is over, it goes another game coming up in an hour, like it's a bonus game. Wow. So four hundred thousand people, four hundred thousand people are being fed a commercial. And in lieu of that, they give you a prize. That's pretty innovative in a silly kind of way. Seattle might be the next San Francisco, they say. Here's how the two major tech tech hubs compare. It's more expensive to live in San Francisco than Seattle. It's going to cost you a quarter more than living in Seattle, and San Francisco's housing costs aren't expected to wane anytime soon. Seattle's housing costs are on the rise, but they're not expected to supersede San Francisco's pricey uh, homes anytime soon. If I had to be 25 and live somewhere with a new tech job, I'd prefer the climate of the bay, but Seattle's cheaper. Both cities are surrounded by water, so you shouldn't have any trouble finding a beach to relax. Seattle's top aquatic allures are its harbors, lakes, and Puget Sound. Um, but there's also mountains and options of skiing real close by. Not so much in San Francisco. It takes you four hours to get to the mountains. When it comes to food, Seattle, went, uh, San Francisco wins. Hands down, we've got some great restaurants here. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. The Google Home Max is now available for purchase. It costs $399. It offers all the smart functions of Google Home, but with better speakers and auxiliary input. The Google Home Max comes pretty close to the Sonos Play 5. Um, Google's high-end speaker, it was announced in October um, it's a shame that Apple doesn't have their product out. Apple's probably to be another month or two at least. Um, and you can talk to it. And it comes in two colors, white or charcoal. Probably a pretty high-end gift if you're a high-end gift giver. It's out there. That's kind of new business, right? Bitcoin futures launch. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Some people say it, the train hasn't left the station yet. Bitcoin... Having the futures will create a negative effect on the price of Bitcoin. The futures will make it easier for investors to bet against Bitcoin, and investors may also find it more attractive to trade the futures rather than Bitcoin itself. Um, I would be worried that fundamentals don't support the rapid surge in the cryptocurrency's price, especially since the general public now appears to be jumping onto the trend. You darn millennials. The launch of Bitcoin futures, negative effect. Typically, when you bring in futures, if you want speculation, futures can balance out speculation way better. Um, The Bitcoin futures settle in U.S. dollars, which gives investors a lot better liquidity for getting in and getting out. For institutional investors, betting on Bitcoin without having to conduct Bitcoin transactions is going to prove a lot easier. Uh, the new futures, the future cost of a Bitcoin looks 20% higher, and that's stopped trading today. The digital currency is up 1,700%, um, which is pretty, I'm not going to say aggressive, because I don't want to paint this as a negative angle, but it's a move, so there's no chance, no choice about no, no no second thought about that. I'm talking a lot more Bitcoin than I used to, right? Uh, So they are in the news. Elsewhere in the news. You don't have to look too far to find stories out there. Um, Bubbles. There are things that could take down the stock market. What are some of the risks of the stock market in 2018? Is it the housing market bubble? What is it? I'm sure you'll have some sort of answer, right? Um, There's probably, I don't know. How many how many things do you think that you can put together that can bring down the stock market? How about, I'll throw out some numbers. Let's throw that stuff out there for you. China, having an economy that that, that doesn't move forward but goes backwards. Uh, maybe they have a bubble. How about the housing bubble in China? Or the economy bubble where they're funding, they're state funding a lot of their businesses. How about the housing bubble in Canada, Australia, Sweden, or Norway? Or... Oil continues its march from 30 to 40 to 50. It's in the mid-50s now. Maybe it goes to 60, 70, or 80. That would slow down the economy, and that could slow down the stock market. Russia has a presidential election coming up. Will it be rigged? Probably. That's the thought, right? They probably say the same thing about ours. And you might think ours as well, when Bush beat Gore on a hanging Chad conversation. Uh, Maybe the UK stays in... uh, the european union maybe they go we're coming out as fast as we can ireland has some presidential elections what if they elect someone that uh is like protectionist maybe that's a negative right maybe it's not we have u.s midterm elections in november if the democrats sweep maybe people in the u.s investors say oh no we're not gonna get any any sort of pro-business stuff through because democrats aren't pro-business right There's that thought. Maybe the Mueller investigation takes a crazy turn. Maybe he brings Trump down. What's it like to have a president taken down? We know from a little history with Nixon, but we don't know. Most of us don't know. I wasn't intelligent when Nixon was brought down. Um, U.S. inequality is a big problem going forward in 2018. And we saw that with dissatisfied voters. If I were to sum up the last election... um, our political system's broken and people want change and well they got it. So more populism coming. Question mark. You have the US tax reform. Will it have a positive effect? Will it have a negative effect? North Korea, big issue. Bitcoin crash. What if Bitcoin goes from seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars a coin to zero or a hundred or a thousand? People may say, screw this, I'm taking my money and put it under the mattress. We don't know what's going to happen in geopolitical issues. We know that Americans have been told in South Korea, you may want to leave in case a war starts with North Korea. Don't say we didn't warn you. Um, Stock market correction, what if at 10% people say, I want out? And then at 20%, more people say, I want out. And it becomes 30% and 40%. Valuation fundamentals are a mismatch in US equities. We know that valuation and fundamentals are a mismatch in US equities. Whoa. Let's think about that for a second. So we have high values, we're paying a lot for Google, Facebook, Intel versus what we used to pay for them. We're willing to say those are great companies. They deserve to go up 20% a year even if their earnings go up 10%. We're willing to say fundamentals don't matter as much as valuation, as much as great names do. There's a bond market that could crash with higher interest rates. You have a Bank of Japan, leadership change. Maybe they abandon their yield curve. Maybe they go a different direction. Japan's economy is still important. Germany's economy is still important. Germany's wages surprise to the upside. Germany's inflation surprises to the upside. US inflation surprises to the upside. How about what's going to happen when the European Central Bank says that they're going to exit being accommodative? New Fed leadership, guy named Powell, will he be politically driven or will he be data driven? Those are some of the issues that can come up in 2018. Are you prepared? Can you have that conversation with yourself? Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.